Todd, um, how's everyone doing this morning? Good. Last day of 2023. Yeah. All right. Someone's pumped for 2024. Well, it's good to be with you today. My name is Brandon Gologli. I'm the youth pastor here at Central, and I'm excited to be here. Um, We're going to be in Psalm 139, uh, but we're we're starting a series next week, Faithfulness, um, and we're going to be talking about uh, several different things that Darren's going to be preaching on, faithfulness in the Word, faithfulness in holiness, prayer, giving, womanhood, manhood, and, and several other things. So, that starts next Sunday, so we're excited about that as leadership, and um, it'll be good starting that next week. Uh, if you guys would stand with us, I'm going to invite Michael Thorne up to the stage to uh, read our scripture this morning. Good morning. This is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Praise be to God. Church, please be seated. Thanks, Michael. So I think probably many of us in this room at times, we've wondered where God is at in our life, right? We we are going through, you know, a crisis or a pretty difficult situation in life, and it feels like God is distant feels like he may be far away, like he's turned his back on us, like he's got more important things or more important people to attend to other than us. And it just feels like God is really far away. But then we read a passage like Psalm 139, and we're reminded of reality. Verses one through six, David, he he starts out in verse one in this amazing chapter And he says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Like that that is a profound statement that the creator of all things has searched me and known me. He says, when when I sit down, when I get up, you you know every time I do that. You, You know when I travel, you know when I rest, you know everything I do. Even before, verse four is just crazy to me. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know what I'm going to say. He says, you are before me, you are behind me, your hand of blessing is upon me. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful for me. I can't even begin to understand it. Like those are some amazing truths that David, the, the writer, the author of this, as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's just laying out and he is just in complete awe. 
He's like, every time I sit down, are you kidding me? You know, like, so if I, the 37th time I've sit down today, Lord, you know it. You know how many times. And when I get up, you know it. It's like, this is like people watching on a whole new level, right? Every time I take a breath, you're aware of it. And even before I say something, before the word is on my tongue, you already know what I'm going to say. It's hard to predict. Maybe every once in a while you can predict like, oh, I know what they're going to say, right? Every once in a blue moon. But God, every single time a person is getting ready to say something, he knows what we're going to say. And David, that's why he says in verse six, he's like, I can't, this, this knowledge is too great for me. Like my, my finite, tiny little brain, I can't even begin to wrap it around the greatness of this knowledge. I remember as a kid, probably about seven or eight years old, um, I would play kind of a game with God. This is kind of embarrassing, but um, this is a safe place, I think, so I'll share it with you. Um, I remember, and this happened on more than one occasion, of, of setting a cup in front of me, and I remember I wanted to fake God out and so I was like, okay, I'm going to act like I'm going to grab it with my right hand, but then I'm going to do it with my left, you know? And this happened so many times, right? And then, like, I would get clever, right? And I'm like, I'm going to fake it like I'm going to do it with my right and then my left and then actually take it with the right hand. And I remember as a seven-year-old, every time I did that, I, after grabbing the cup, I was like, oh, he already knew. Like, he already knew I was going to do that. He, he, he knew every time. And in a little bit more profound way, David is saying the same thing, right? He's like, man, even before I say something, you know what I'm going to say. That's crazy. This shows that God's presence is always with us, right? We are never alone. And when it comes to the idea of being alone, like we all desire not to be lonely, like we want to be known. It feels good to be seen. We hate loneliness. We hate the feeling of going unnoticed or to be left out, forgotten, neglected, picked last. Like none of those things are fun. And over the past decade with uh, smartphones and the advancement of technology, we have heard common sayings such as the following, that we are more connected than ever and at the same time more isolated and lonely than ever. Barna, they did a research, this is, was posted in 2021, but the studies were actually pre-pandemic. So it was in 2019, early 2020, and they came to, to find out that on average, three out of 10 Americans feel lonely each day. So 30% of people, and those statistics even climb higher if you ask them like, how do you lonely, feel lonely during the week, right? You got people who maybe don't feel lonely every day, but they feel lonely a couple times a week, you know, whatever. But on average, 30% of Americans pre-pandemic, it's only gotten worse, but felt lonely each day. Came across a quote by Susan Metz, she said, in this academic research, loneliness is the distress someone feels when their social connections do not meet their need for emotional intimacy. Loneliness is a thirst that drives us to seek companionship or, perhaps better, fellowship. Without fellowship, we go on needing others and seeking relief for that need. 
So what she's saying, she's like, every single one of us, like we have emotional intimacy, but, but when our companionship is not leveling up to, to that desire of social connection and social intimacy, right, there, there, there's a gap there and, and loneliness starts to take place. We all need friendships, we need relationships, we need intimacy in our lives because that is how God created us. He didn't create us to be alone. But as far as important as it is to have relationships with other people and individuals and not to be on our own physically, we need a relationship with the Lord far more. And so that we too, as David says in Psalm 139, verse one, so we can say, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You guys, right now, right now, every single person sitting in their seat, the Lord knows your greatest hurt right now. He, he knows your past. He knows your greatest insecurities in life. He knows your greatest fears. He knows the things that you love the most. Like right now as you're sitting here, about a thousand of us in this room, he knows every single one of us. And when we take a moment, as David did here in Psalm 139, and we step back and we're like, oh my goodness, the Lord the creator of my soul. He has searched me and he has known me. He knows when I get up and sit down. He knows when I talk. He knows what I'm gonna say before I say it. Oh my goodness, this knowledge, it's too great for me. And the greatest thing for someone who is lonely is to know that they are known infinitely by their creator. That's the cure for loneliness. And God is saying here in Psalm 139, he's like, you are not alone. You are far from it. David, he continues in, in verse seven, and just to refresh our memory, I'll, I'll, I'll read it again. It says in verse seven, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. So David, he's like, all right, Lord, you, you know everything about me. You know what I do. And so then he starts to ask the question like, where in the world can I possibly escape your presence? Where can I go? Where can I flee to escape your presence and your spirit? Can I go to heaven? Can I go to shield? Can I go to the horizon on the farthest away ocean? Like, can that get me away from your presence? And he says, even in those places, the answer is no. Your hand will lead me. He's like, even if the darkness covers me and the day becomes, or the light becomes dark, even to you, O Lord, darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like day. And therefore, to you, God, darkness and light are the same. It is so clear in this passage that we cannot escape the presence and sight of God. 
And it's also clear that even the darkness cannot hide us to prevent us from God rescuing us, right? Like whether it's darkness of sin and we have foolishly pursued sinful desires and we are in the darkness of dark and we're like, there's no way God can pull me out of this. There's no way that God still loves me. Or maybe you are in your worst days of suffering here on earth and you are just in a dark, dark season of life. Psalm 139 says, even that, that can't prevent you from the sight of God. It can't prevent you from the presence of God. As a kid, uh, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, having a thunderstorm happening and, you know, know, hearing the rain and and seeing the lightning. But the most frightening thing was the thunder, like the, the, the loud peals of thunder. And so I'd go into my parents' room because, right, they made me feel safe. And, and so they'd oftentimes, like, lead me back to bed and assure me everything's okay. And, and I was reminded of this about a year or two ago when my son, Graham, who's our oldest, he got scared and he woke up in the middle of the night. And so I went back to bed and I laid with him and he fell asleep. It's amazing how quick kids fall asleep when their parent is right there, right? And I remember thinking, I was like, it's crazy because I, I remember, you know, I, as, a, as a kid feeling safe, you know, in a situation like this when, you know, your parent is with you even though it's, you know, it's something scary. And I'm laying there in bed. I'm like, I, I don't know why he feels so safe. Like, I can't do anything about where these lightning bolts land or don't land, you know? And I can't turn the, the thunder down or up or anything like that. I can't, I can't make the rain, like, go away or anything like that. But for whatever reason, me being there makes him feel secure and safe and so that he can go back to sleep. And it's little, it's moments like that that, that reminds me of scripture and of God. Like the fact that he's like, there's, there's no darkness that can cover us. There's nothing too scary for him that cannot give us peace. There's nowhere we can go where God is not and no darkness too dark for his light that he cannot pierce through it. His presence, it protects us right, circumstances in our life, they may not go away. Sometimes they do. Sometimes he makes it go away. Oftentimes not as soon as we would like, but sometimes they don't. And sometimes the storm gets worse. There's hail and the thunder gets louder. But the fact that knowing God is right here with us, that is what gives us peace. That is what brings us joy in the midst of the storm knowing that his presence is with us even when we're in the darkness. I wanted to turn on this topic, I wanna turn to a passage in uh, the New Testament, Hebrews chapter four, verse 13. And this is what it says. It says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account, right? See, in Psalm 139, like, no one can do anything without God not seeing it. And then we're reminded here, like, no creature is hidden from his sight. We're all naked and exposed to the eyes of him who is Jesus, who we all will give an account to one day. So it'd be like, you know, you're at work, 
and um, you're shopping on Amazon and, and you see your boss walk by and you're like, oh, you gotta minimize that real quick and act like you're working for a moment, okay? And you make small talk with your boss and then he walks on by and then you're like, okay, back to Amazon shopping because I, I gotta get this. Right, when, when we know that someone is watching us, we are much more inclined to do what is right, especially our boss. But the thing about this is sometimes we can fake it. Like we, we, can, we can put on a facade and fake it to the people around us. But Hebrews 4.13 4, is a reminder. is like, yeah, you, you may be able to do that to other people, but you cannot do that to me, says the Lord. So I, another story about Brandon when he was a kid. Um, I was, again, about probably eight, maybe nine years old or so. And I remember one day that um, I, we had this piano in our house, and that was like my mom's favorite thing. I think she liked it more than us kids, and so that was like precious to her, right? She wanted all of us to be piano players, and she was 0 for 4. Um, and so, yeah, big bummer. Um, so, so one day, I just got the idea. You know like the, the thing that, I don't even know what it's called, it's probably got a name, but it, it pulls over the keyboard, right? And so I just got the, the itch to stand on it one day. So I stand on it, and I'm like, cool, it held me up, you know? And, and then I go on my day, like, I'm eight, you know, I don't think. And so um, it was probably a few days later, so I remember it was in the summertime because me and my younger sister um, and my mom were getting ready to go to the water park to um, like meet some other friends and have fun, you know? And so um, we're getting ready, and then I hear my mom call me and my sister into the living room in a tone where you know things are not good. Um, and so we go into the living room and she says, so um, which one of you stepped on the piano? And I'm like, yikes. Um, and I was like, I'm not fessing up to this. Like, hopefully my sister will. Um, and, and so neither one of us were like, I would never do that. Like, you know, finger, like, you know, like on my neck. I don't know. And so like we swore up and down and she's like, well, I know one of you stood on the piano. You guys both need to go back to your room and you're staying there until one of you confesses. And I remember at one point, she even got the tape measure out, like she's measuring the footprint, she's measuring our feet, and I was like, yikes, this is not good. And so I don't know how it, it ended, I may have, you know, like went out of the room, I think she maybe called us, and I eventually confessed, and I was like, I'm so sorry, you know, there was tears and everything is dramatic, and, and I felt guilty, and, and, and anyways, like we moved on, and, and we were allowed to go to the water park, so all was well. Okay, so that's not the end of the story because um, it was, a, I don't know, maybe a week, maybe two weeks later, I don't know what it was about that piano, I just wanted to stand on it again. <laughs> and, and I remember this, I remember there was nobody in the house, or at least upstairs, and I like kind of look around, I, I think most of them were outside, and I look and I'm like, all right, I gotta stand on the sucker again. And so I get up on it real quick, I mean, like for half a second, I stand on it, and at this time, I was smarter. I got the dusting stuff in the rag, and I wiped away my footprint. True story. I never got caught. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, um, these are things you don't put on your resume, okay? So, um, and, and to this day, I don't think my mom actually still knows, but occasionally she will watch my sermon, so maybe she'll find out by that. So, I don't know. Um, and I got away with it. Like, I never got caught. I got caught the first time, but I didn't get caught the second time because I learned from my mistakes and my foolishness, right? 
You guys, the, the truth is sometimes in life, people get caught for their mistakes and for their sin. And sometimes they don't. I mean, we can all to attest to that in our life. Like sometimes we have gotten caught for our sins and sometimes we don't. Like for example, teenagers in the room, okay? You, you get invited to this party and you really wanna go. And you don't even ask your mom and dad because you know the answer is going to be no because of what all the party consists of. And so everyone goes to bed that night. You sneak out of the room, right? You're so smart. You're able to get the security alarm off without waking up your parents. And you sneak out. You go have a good time. You come back and you don't get caught. You're like, I'm going to try that again. And, and you do it over and over and over, completely fooling your parents, and I read passages like Psalm 139, and I read a verse like Hebrews 4.13, and I can only imagine God is up in heaven like, well done. You fooled your parents, you fooled your teachers, you, you fooled your youth pastor, you fooled your small group leader, you fooled people in your life thinking that you are actually living for the Lord. But I see what you're doing. It's not just true for teenagers, it's true for all of us, right? You, you may impress the snot out of your boss. You may, you may appear to be such a good husband or wife or a mom or a dad or, you know, you work in children's ministry or you volunteer in the community, but, but there's stuff hidden in your life that you would rather die than have be exposed. And I read a verse like this, and I'm like, I don't know why in the world we spend so much time trying to hide our sin and our dirt from everybody else when we're not gonna give an account to one another. I'm not, back to teenagers, you're not, on the day of judgment, you're not gonna have to stand before your parents and give an account. You're gonna give an account to Jesus. And that's the same for all of us. And so when we live this life trying to put on a fake life, acting like we got everything together and we're just like, I don't want anybody to find out. I don't want anybody to find out. And God is up in heaven like, are you kidding me? I, I can see you thinking that right now in this moment. You guys, a true awareness of God's presence in our life a true under, like when we actually understand in Psalm 139, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. What that looks like is a life that leads us to a life of confession and repentance when we wander into sin and we're struggling with temptation. I think this verse, it is such a gracious and kind reminder that nothing is hidden from God. And because of that truth, we are to live like it. And when we do, right, it's not like God's like, hey, remember, you gotta come before me one day, suckas, like, you know, it's not like he's up there like, just like on the edge of his seat, just ready to condemn every single person. He's like, no, like, remember, I can see everything you do. So live like it. Right? He's a God who desires good for us and not evil. He wants us to live in obedience. He wants us to live in righteousness. And so he's like, look, just remember, like every single one of you, 
guys are naked and exposed before the eyes of me who you are going to give an account to. And when we do this, right, when we live obedient before the Lord, we live with a clean conscience before God, which leads to a life of joy and peace. You guys, we have such a good God who takes care of us and watches over us. These, these passages, Psalm 139, Hebrews 4.13, these passages remind us that we have a heavenly Father who loves us. A heavenly Father who is for us. He does not leave us on our own, but he knows us intimately far more than you, can, you and I can even begin to imagine. Our heavenly Father, he protects us because we are his children. And even the dark cannot hide us from his sight. And even when we struggle with sin, he only wants what is best for us. Right, it's his spirit. When his spirit convicts us, it's because he is leading us out of the darkness and trash that our hearts are so naturally inclined to be drawn to and instead, he leads us to a life full of joy, peace, and love. We are loved and known by God beyond our comprehension. And when we grasp that truth, when we fully understand, right, we begin to break out in praise like David saying, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. And such knowledge, it is too great and wonderful for me. I can't even begin to understand it. I don't know about you, but I think about myself way too much. I always think about what Brandon wants to do, what Brandon loves, what I don't wanna do. Like, it's just me, me, me. That's my natural inclination is to think about what I want. And we oftentimes are way too in awe and impressed and focused on and wanting to watch other people and wishing we live their lives. And so we're focused on ourselves. We're also focused on other people. And what I love about a Psalm 139 is that it gets our eyes off of ourselves and one another and it gets our eyes on him. And we're in awe of who he is. It's like, wow, you know every single word I'm gonna say before I say it, that's crazy. You searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I get up, you know when I travel and when I stay at home. That's amazing, God. And as we close today, we're gonna sing one more song. And as we do, just a couple things, one, all right, let us sing, not to the ceiling, to the people up on stage, you know, thin air, but that we sing, that our hearts, like we're actually singing to a God who intimately knows us. And then maybe for people in the room, maybe there's a handful of you, some of you, I don't know, one of you, but you've never come to the realization of how God knows you and you've never bent your knee to the Lord and given your life and surrendered your life to him. 
And I pray that the Spirit would just convict you this morning, that he would kindly and gently lead you to him, to surrender your life, to come out of the darkness, to come out of the trash, and to see what a good, heavenly Father you can have a relationship with, who cares for you, who loves you, and who protects you. So like I said, when we remember these passages, the only correct response is to worship him and to draw near to him and to seek him with all of our hearts. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. God, God, the knowledge of scripture, the knowledge of who you are, it is just too great and it's too wonderful for us to be able to fully grasp. But Lord, I pray God, that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. God, that you would increase our faith, that we would see the love you have for us, to see how immeasurable, the immeasurable greatness of who you are. Lord, that we would get our eyes off of ourselves, off of one another, and onto you. And Lord, that we would look forward to a year of 2024 and it may bring some light, it may bring some extreme darkness, but God, that our hearts would be anchored in the truth that you have known us and that you have searched us and that we are yours because you have purchased us. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning. God, that we would be full of joy, that we would be full of life, that our joy would be contagious to those around us and that they would see the life that is in our lives and that it would draw them to you. And Lord, I, I pray, God, that as we get ready to worship, Lord, that, our, we would, that it would be the cries of our heart to glorify you and your name because that's exactly what you deserve. We pray all this in your name. Amen.